What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. They don't boo me. Nobody boos me. I refuse. No, no, it doesn't happen. Anyway, hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, part of the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And I got to tell you, we're on a little bit of a streak here ourselves on the bandwagon, as this is at least the third or fourth consecutive bandwagon where we have at least opened the show with the four OGs. That's right, the four OGs. Tony is in a mood already today. He's already he's he's not what is yeah, the Packers lose gestures. their first preseason game or something? What's going on? He is he came in pissy. Did you see that? Like he was all like doing countdowns. Oh, he's fine. I'm fine. I'm Tony making gestures that nobody can see and then pretending like Patrick O'Dowd ain't going to call it out. You know what's going to happen here, Tony. You know. You know. Of course. Welcome, Mr. Saturday Night PC Tony. Put the microphone down and speak to the audience. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. Glad to be here. I thought I was going to get booed. Not yet. Sure it'll come. Your time will come. We are also, of course, we are joined by the lawyer himself, David Ungar. You heard him. Uh, chiming in as he too recognized that that Tony's a little surly today. I don't, you know, what we haven't had we haven't had screaming T Tony in a while. You know, I don't think we've had screaming PC Tony since the great flash trailer incident of early June. 
Dave, by the way, the, that the was Flash your cue to speak. The Flash oh. is out to be uh, uh, rendered, by the way, for the record. About to be what? You can rent it now. It's available. Oh, I thought it was going to be rendered. Yeah. I was like, are they going to render it and make it better? Didn't it, or, you know, didn't it make the news like it came out as an NFT or something like that, too? Or, or some, some like, what are we doing here? It needs to come out problem. as a flaming like, what, pile dude? of dog shit that it is. There's no anyway. money in it, though. Like, there's no money in, in the, the Somebody paid something. Flash. For it. Yeah, I'm going to rent it. I'm going to rent it. I want to see it. Oh, you didn't, oh, you, you you didn't, didn't see, it, see it, Ray? Oh, mm-hmm. I can't wait for Ray to watch it and just be... Dave, it's, it's demoralizing. I, I this, it was so it was so funny when we reviewed that show or that movie because I was the I was the rational like like really Dave got hot. Dave was very like if you go back and listen to that episode, Dave was very upset. Tony wasn't. Tony was not far behind. So. Uh, did we have DJ on for that show? I can't remember. I don't think anyway, so. I you were very angry. I do remember that. It's my rise. Uh, it's my last, rise of Skywalker. That, that should tell you all you need to know. So. Yeah, it's the worst movie on the planet, though. It's it's still, it's it's up there. But uh, Ray Mendes Cashington, the forty seventh. That's right. We lost a few from last week. Uh, Esquire, welcome back to the program, Ray Cash. Hola, nerds del carro. I'm on a wow. Spanish kick today. El- this just in: Patrick O'Dowd hates diversity. El Boo. El Buo, El Buo, El Hiso, El. So if Ray's like, if this is the 47th, did we get rid of a few Ray variants along the way? Is that what oh, we quite, quite a say. few? Okay, yeah, cool. We clip, we clip some branches. We we prune some branches in the time stream. We gotta get ready for Loki season two, that's coming up uh, in November. So we got we got a lot to look forward to. Um, all right. So just to lay out what we got today on the bandwagon, we are of course going to talk about the season. Well, I'm assuming the finale of Secret Invasion Episode 6 that broke uh, dropped this past Wednesday. We're going to go back to the trailer park. We're going to talk about a subject I left out last week. And then, you know, as we as we are wont to do, we got some news around the nerdosphere. We're going to get to it, though, because our boy Ray, he's on a little bit of a time crunch. We want to make sure he's able to get all of his thoughts in before before he's got to roll on out of here. Uh, and so let's let's get some let's get some Marvel music going. Okay, gentlemen, I'm just gonna say this finale is the first time I can say that I am a little shook and concerned about what's going on in the Marvel Cinematic. This is the first time where I have got to say, and here's the thing is that this has been building for a couple episodes as, as we make Nick Fury, basically the biggest asshole on the planet, which whatever he's, you know, they made him, they made him Amanda Waller, like whatever. Uh, Okay. I don't even, let's just start with this guy is the most powerful being in the MCU and that makes it just pisses me off like it just it just pisses me off in, in a lot of ways because I find it to be extraordinarily problematic uh, and I and frankly I don't like it I think it's dumb I think we took a character that uh, nobody was really particularly attached to because they were just truly introduced in this episode and we made them the most powerful character on the planet unless we are in the in the MCU unless we nerf the shit out of them 
down the road. Because for those of you who may recall, Gaia under in the guise of Nick Fury confronts Kravik uh, with the harvest, the collected DNA of all these Avengers and and nuts and some not Avengers. Uh, get hands it over inside the big super scroll making machine. Both Kravik and Gaia, once Gaia reveals herself, have all the powers of the Avengers. They go to battle and Gaia wins. Uh, and yeah, most powerful character in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because of reasons. And it just, it bugs me. And, and, and it bugs me because I, I just, this entity can literally wipe out anything. And whether that's a, a protagonist or an antagonist, obviously that's yet to be seen. They, you know, Guy is presumably taking over leadership of the Scrolls, uh, the Scroll Nation, uh, and is, you know, apparently going to go in cahoots with the British lady, British Nick Fury. Um, but I hate it. I hate it. I think it's dumb. Uh, it's, I, I hate it. I'm actually really down on the series as a whole because of that. Because I hate it. Tony, you lowered your, you lowered your microphone. Oh, okay. Dave, what you I, I was going to say, can I start with our dm exchange patrick and i have been talking about this for a couple days behind the scenes and both of us expressing some significant concern but after i watched the season finale wednesday i sent this message to pat i said the secret invasion finale feels a lot like the mandalorian finale patrick's response the next day i really dislike the finale my response was word um, so uh yeah, I, I, Tony, I'll kick it over to you before I, I want to hear what your thoughts before I get it. Because you and I, I know Pat was, you know, when he was in vacation, we started off really loving the show. And somewhere around episode three or four, it kind of took a detour. So I don't know what you thought. They're going to, they got, they got, hey, they got lots of explaining to do, right? And hopefully we get that as we move forward. And I thought that this would be totally connecting to where we're going, right? Loki and, and the Marvels. So I, I don't know. It, yeah, you're right. It's weird. Um, what's the actress's name? I mean, shit, she's the most Amelia powerful Clark. woman. Yeah, she's the most powerful woman in Game of Thrones lore, and she's the most powerful woman in Marvel. What a, man, what a nerddom uh, queendom to have right there. It It's just, don't you wish I was right that Gaia died the first time? Um, <laughs> now you do, right? It's, where do they go? That's the thing. They kind of made it really hard to go from here because she doesn't just disappear, does she? I mean, like, do they just suddenly find a planet for them well, and that's how it's solved? Or does it only last for so long? It only get, took so much? I don't know. But like you said, what happens with her story? It has to be resolved here in the Marvel Universe now that she's this omnipowerful being. Yeah, uh, presumably, because this is the other thing is, there was some throwaway shit, like, at the end. And it was just like, Oh, by the way, the Kree want to start a treaty. Like, really? We haven't talked about the Kree the whole fucking series, and they're just like, "Hey, we want to, we want to, we want to talk treaty." Like, what? Like, what? That's a setup for the Marvels. Sure, but what? Like, that's how we do it. Like, no. It's just, it, uh, I use this term a lot. Very unearned. It felt like a very unearned result from a show that had a lot of unearned shit, and. I, here's the thing is I, I look at this series we had six episodes right and then and then Ray I know you have thoughts too uh, about about kind of I hope it's about the same subject we got these six episodes that progressively get shorter that like I'm not invested in God I think that's part of the problem is at least as a viewer I am not invested in Gaia because I didn't feel like I felt like we scratched the thumbnail just a little bit of her relationship with Taylor, 
And I really feel like a lot of what she's doing is supposed to be for him. Like, that's why we have the episode before. But it doesn't feel like we really, truly got there. And, and then, so for her to walk into this leadership role amongst the scrolls, it, it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't fit or make sense to me. And like I said, oh, by the way, we have the power of like every Avenger ever. Uh, it's, it's just tough. It's tough for me. Uh, Ray, uh, your turn. Jump in. What well, do you let, got? Dave fin- they, they, let Dave finish because I, I want to go last. Okay. No, I don't want you to go last, Ray. I want you to go now. Damn it. Jeez, now no. we're going to play this game no. now? Uh, I'm just kidding. So um, I tend to agree with Pat. I, I this This episode, I didn't dig so much. A lot of it felt inconsequential. And the consequential moments have really not a lot to do with this story, as opposed to a certain character that we all love. And, you know, or like, when did this switch exactly take place? And people overanalyzing the video and stuff. But here's the thing is, it just felt to me like we've been really, really, uh, this group especially, amongst, amidst a backlash of fans just calling out Marvel for all their bullshit and, you know, saying, this isn't what I want, this isn't what I want. We've all been exercise patients. They developed everything at their own pace, their own way. I think this is the first time that a couple of us have been like, yeah, you know, there may be something here because you take away Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and everything else has been a little hit and miss lately. Um, This is like, yeah, like like Pat's saying, it, well, it didn't... I, I'll, I'll stand up for Wakanda first. No, no, like oh, you're, you're right, you're right. That one too. Like, Ant-Man. Like... Ant-Man was solid. No, not really, but... I like Well, you're entitled to your opinion, Tony. I, I, I liked it. It was okay. Oh, now it's okay. salty about It's okay. Like, it's okay. But, um... Yeah, this one just kind of felt like where where are we going with this? We've like Pat saying Gaia is now arguably the most powerful character in the MCU, and and that just kind of came out of nowhere. And you know, and Secret Invasion as a story arc in the comics was problematic enough, and I didn't really see why they needed to emulate a lot of the problems that that comic had with this series. But at the end, it's kind of like Nick and his wife go off into the not even the sunset, the spaceship, and. And then what? Then where where are we left with this thing? It just it just felt so flat. Like that's why I compared it to the Mandalorian finale. Like we build it up in our head and said all this stuff can happen. And then when it happens, it's like God, that felt flat. And even my wife was like, Yeah, that felt really flat at the end of this whole thing. Like I thought we were going to get something big and dramatic. We really didn't. You know, the showdown between Gravik and, and Gaia was was kind of cool. Seeing the the transformation and the metamorphosis and the utilization of the various Avengers powers that was kind of cool. But yeah, it just it just felt to me like nothing really mattered in the end. Where do where what was the point of all this? Scrolls are on Earth. We know that. We know there's a Cree. You know, I, I don't know, Pat. Are they trying to bring the Cree Scroll War into this situation by talking about this treaty? Well, I, I as as Ray pointed out, that that's remains to be seen i think that's definitely the where where they're going with the marvels yeah. there's this right. like as ray pointed out like there's a treaty it's just though it, it's just so damn it, i just my big problem with that little tidbit was just it felt so just like late second arbitrary like like there's just been no mention of the crease and the decree and then here we are right um and, and, i get why right but, we also uh, leave the street level you know uh, unresolved because the president is like kill every scroll, yeah. you know. So that's oh, yeah, got to be yeah. dealt with as well. That's that's totally unresolved. Yeah, the president just right now that, that we've talked decision, about everything. Let's nuke them all. Um, but I, you know, I see the floor to Ray before I know we want to talk about Rhodey a little bit because that's where all the cool speculation is. But um, yeah. 
went to that. Yeah, Ray. I, and I don't. I mean, it just that. That's my only complaint is I just left there saying and and that's not a good way to end any of these shows. So I disagree with all of you. Um, There's a surprise, but but I'm frustrated, and I'm gonna tell you why. And I I want you to know that none of this is directed to any of you individually. I'm speaking strictly in generalities and 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 you know and and whole. You let you you alluded to it a little bit, Dave, when you talked about how so much of post endgame MCU has been a lot of people down on Marvel because it's not what I want. And I'm not saying everything Marvel's done has been great. There's been criticisms that have been worthy, but a lot of it has been, oh, it's just not what I want. I can appreciate if you can look at something and you didn't like it and say, I just didn't like that. As much as we messed with Pat about Rise of Skywalker, I respect the fact that he just says, I just don't like it. Like I get that. What frustrates me is when things that are, in my opinion, not only a one hundred percent sensical, but alluded to and fulfilled in a, in a show or in a series or in a movie, and we still try to find reasons why it didn't. It's like we're looking to. It's like we, as a totality, are looking for something not to like. For example, you all three of you brought up Gaia. Did did we not see the same show from the very beginning? All we've talked about once we found out that Gravic was going to be the, he became the super soldier, the super scroll. And all of us here, if we want to go a little deeper in, know the super scroll has the ability to do everything. All of us were trying to figure out how can they stop the super scroll. I even told you in the last episode, Gaia's going to get it. She's going to be the one that to fight him. Somebody had to beat him, right? So this was alluded to for four episodes and it happens. And now it's like, yeah, I don't like it. That's weird to me. Like, I don't begrudge people for just not liking it, but the rationale is weird to me. It's, just, it's frustrating to me. Going further and further along with, with, with the series, so much of what happened in the series, Marvel does a very good job of, exp- of expounding on something that they've set up early and building out and seeing it through. Now, a lot of people's problems tend to be, well, I just don't like the way they went. And again, I got no problem with that, but there's a big difference between I don't like the way they went and this was bad or this was wrong because it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Everything in this in the show has been sensical. The very first scene of the entire series was Nick Fury coming back from Saber. That was the very first scene. Him meeting him showing up in that grove and Maria Hill picking him up. It's the very first scene. The, the show ends with Nick Fury going back, right? The, 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 it matches. The 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 whole Creed thing. The, the whole creed is absolutely unlearned because it's an Easter egg for another movie. Just like nothing about Miss Marvel had anything to do with mutants. But the last thing you hear is, oh, you got a mutation. We don't complain about that because that's, no, that's an illusion to another series. Right. So I, I, I don't understand where the criticisms come in on these things. Like it's one thing if you say I don't like it again. I do not begrudge anybody for liking or disliking what they want to or what they don't want to. But I don't understand. And Nick Fury's been an asshole from the very beginning, from the jump. Remember, the only reason the Avengers got together was because he lied about how Phil Coulson felt about him. They just needed to push. Nick Fury been an asshole. This ain't new. You 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 allude, you you made the comparison to Amanda Waller. Yeah, yes. The only difference is Amanda Waller works with works genuinely and literally with villains. Nick Fury don't work with bad. He don't work with bad guys. But he does the shit that nobody else wants to do, which a lot of the times ends up being dirty. He even explained that, or well, Gaia did in the in the whole monologue when him and Gravik were going back and forth. So it's just, excuse me, a lot about 
a lot of people's criticisms, and this isn't limited to you three, because I've been, I have perused the internet since Wednesday with all of these opinions and thoughts and process and whatnot. And I'm just blown away because it's like, it's frustrating for me because clearly I'm not watching what y'all watching. And like, it's not fun. It's, it's getting less and less fun for me to talk about these things if people just want to find stuff to be to, to not like. And, and, and again, I know so many people are going to mis- misconstrue what I'm saying as, well, Ray don't want us to like. No, like what you want. Don't what you want. I'm not criticizing if you like it, if you don't. I'm criticizing people's rationale as to why. That's weird to me. Some of the rationales. And it's frustrating personally. It is. Because uh, was this an A-plus series? No, but this was a damn good series that literally everything that was advertised was delivered. You know, there was three things we wanted to know about and three three answers that needed to be, the questions that needed to be answered at the end of the series and in the last episode. One, how the hell are they going to stop Gravik, right? Answer, Gaia. Two, which was, by the way, which was alluded to going back to when Gaia found out about the four scroll powers and took the scroll and took the powers when Gravik killed her, right? That was alluded to, and that was, that was episode three. Second thing that, second question we needed answer, uh, answered was um, what's next going forward, like any any connection to future series? Kree Skull War. Hey, Kree want to do a treaty. Cool. Also, President, we don't fuck with squirrels. Shoot them on sight. These are things Thunderbolts is next. One of the next movies up. There's a lot of these movies that'll be addressed. And the third thing is how many scrolls, like how how many people that were scrolls, what's going to happen to them, and how long? And that's what we're probably going to talk about next. Rhodey, Everett Ross, the pres, the the heads of state. All three of the major questions were answered, and all three of the questions that were answered had been alluded to since the first episode. So uh, forgive me. For really, truly, genuinely, and 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 completely innocently not understanding, I and I'm, I'm sorry to co- to to be that way. I really don't understand. So it's it's fine for you to understand. Go ahead, Tony. For me personally, I enjoyed the series. I hope that we do have this connected to because I said all along I agreed with you that Marvels and Dave's even agreed with that as well is going to roll into that. And it'd be interesting if they actually start using these series to be more connected to what's coming up, even cinematically, because it hasn't necessarily been the case that it gets paid off so quickly. Immediately, I just yes, think, yes. I just think as a consensus, what I was agreeing with is I just don't understand where they go with someone like that. Like, well, now she's the omnipowerful person throughout the entire Marvel, you know, at the, throughout the entire MCU. So... I just don't know where you go from there. I hope they pay it off well. I thought it was a good series. I wouldn't put it in my top four, maybe fifth, sixth in there somewhere. But overall, sure, okay, and, and, okay. And to that, I, just, and to that point, I just wonder what they're going to do with that. That's all. Because Patrick that, made a great point to start the conversation. Sure, and to that point, we've said that with how many people in MCU. What are they going to do about Thor? How are they going to fight Thor? What are they going to do about Captain Marvel? How are they going to fight that, Captain maybe Marvel? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe so that's a good this thing. This is a normal thing. <sighs> I guess I've, I don't know that I've ever posed that question with Captain Marvel or Thor uh, or, or some of these. I, I think with villains, yes. I think the thing that bugs me is that, again, and maybe it's because it's just not explained. And, and, that's, and maybe that's where I'm hung up. It's not so much that Gaia became the one. Because you're right. That, like, that's been set up. Like, that was, like, we talked about, the, the second Talos died. I, I can't remember which episode it was. When, when Talos died, that was like halfway through or whatever. But 
I, I remember saying, or, or when the guy that was like, guy is going to be important. Like, like guy is going to come back. I was like, guy is going to come back and help fight gravity. She did that. It's, and maybe it's, maybe it's my own hang up on the super scroll itself from the comics. Cause the super scroll, and, and this is part of the problem with the fantastic four not existing yet yeah. is the, the super scroll was the four powers of the fantastic four combined within one scroll and in each of their those enhancements were actually slightly more powerful than the fantastic four themselves so like they their 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 ability like so he was he was more powerful he is more powerful uh but it, it if it it's the whole every avenger thing i really think that's what's bothersome to me and, and i've been uneasy with it since that happened and i'm like this is like we're going with this because it it, it not like you you see that the the scroll could die, you know, like Gravik fucking died, like mm-hmm. and he had the exact same power. So it's not that, yeah, it's not that Gaia walks out indestructible. Like I get that. Um, it, and and so part of it is wrapping my brain around. It. I I maybe it's I hate the power set more than I hate the character. Um, having Which having powers. Which is um, fair. I you know I struggle. It's I I do struggle with the, like even if. You could see it coming that she was going to become the presumed leader of the scrolls moving forward. Uh, like I, it just her character and the way she's been as a character, and like whether it's you want to say that I don't want this or whatever, she just hasn't like even amongst her people. Like people weren't like other than the one dude she brought in at the very beginning, there was never really this sort of question of who of her being kind of somewhere in the pecking order, other than she was there around Gravit. It was always that other dude, the second in command guy who. You know, died when he tried well, to. Well, she was clearly her. important because she went on every major. Oh yeah, like, level, and was, and everybody she knew she was Telos's daughter too. So like, she was very right. important to the squirrels. She just wasn't fully in because she was doing the devil agent thing. So she was right. playing. And, and maybe court. that's the other part of it that I, that I that I kind of was trying to allude to at the beginning. As a character, I wish that this series, and this is a wish of the series, and, and I know you disagree with me on this one. I just feel like. For Gaia as a character, at the end of it all, I wasn't connected. Like as a, as an audience member, this personal audience member, like knew what her role was going to be, was not connected to that character. Uh, and, and I'll give and I'll give an example of one like where over the course of eight episodes, by the time it was all done, I was bought in because we're about to see her in a movie, Kamala Khan. Like what they did with her in that series. To really make her a centerpiece, and I get it; it was her series, so she was going to yeah, be the main series. character. Yeah, but like, but like, it, it would like I was just connected to that character. Like, I I, I rooted for that character. I, I just didn't particularly root for Gaia. Uh, and so at the end, like that, and whether that's a fault of the series or whether I'm supposed to or not, I don't know. Um, but at the end, I'm like, okay, great, you're you're a scroll. You're the, you're the leader of the scrolls, and you're working with Sonya Fallsworth. Or because you guys keep asking what's next, I don't think she's leaving Earth because I think she's trying to get her people together. Because as you have all pointed out, folks are fucking hunting scrolls now. Like the president is called open war, so she's she's got to take care of her people on planet first. May I, may I counter real fast? Um, no. Number one, it, I think we're all going to sit back and really look back at the monologue that she had as Fury with Gravik because there was a lot said in that. That, if true, was telling. One of them being, he knew from jump they were never going to be able to find another world for them. 
the world he wanted for them was here, right? So again, whether that's true from Fury that she that he told her to say or not is very telling in her thought process. Um, secondly, my counter is I don't think Guy was supposed to be liked. I mentioned this to you guys in either last episode or the episode before. My my vantage point and my take on it was Gaia didn't believe in her dad. She didn't believe in his in his in his in his um what he what he believed in. That was just her dad, right? Gaia believed in everything Gravik stood for. She just realized Gravik was a megalomaniac and had to go, right? Just like in this episode, the one thing we didn't talk about, how all the squirrels started turning on Gravik, or last episode, the squirrels started turning on Gravik because they realized how crazy he was, right? How how megalomaniacal he was. So I don't think Gaia's, man, to pardon the old Roman Reigns pun, he's, she's not a good guy or a bad guy. She's just the guy, right? She had no dog in the fight. She was getting back at Gravit because he had to go and because he killed her mom and her dad. She wasn't trying to stand up and take care of the scrolls. The only reason she didn't believe in the mutually assured destruction. That's why she got all them out of there because she wasn't sure Fury and Sonya was going to be able to stop Rava from blowing up everything, right? But never once in anywhere in, the, in, in, in that series that I take it as, y'all follow me, I'm in charge. She made a deal with Sonya at the end, yes, because she had no other choice. Right at this point, if they shoot the squirrels on the street, might want to. I might want to make a. And I like the way Sonya pitched it. I'm not your dad, and I'm not. I'm not Nick Fury. You're gonna use me. I'm gonna use you, and we'll make it work. But you need a place to. You need a place to take care to 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 go. And as we've seen, all the squirrels have this sense of of community, even the ones that don't fuck with each other. Because how many civil meetings has Gravik, the megalomaniacal killer? had with people he hated and didn't kill him had a ton of the civil meetings because of that community that they believe in right they got to come with me so i don't and again this is my vantage point no different than yours it's just different i'm not saying i'm right i'm not saying you're wrong that's just the way i see it but i don't think this was a sense of grava i mean of 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 gaia here to be the new superhero no she don't even i don't even think she's a good person i just think she did what she had to do because she was the only one left and because she had, it's, I look at it as when Sutter and Hella fought. Right. Like, <laughs> that was a means to an end. Hella had to be stopped. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, Gaia could be, like you're saying, Ray, she could end up being a bigger threat than Gravik. You know, if she gets completely frustrated to the point where it's like, you know, that motherfucker was right. He just went about it the wrong way. I'm going to do it this way. She's obviously like, you know, okay, we recognize her as a powerful threat. Out there, she's got all the powers of the Avengers. Um, somebody's going to have to respond to that sooner or later. I, I can't imagine that she's going to be a force for benevolence somewhere out there. She just doesn't have that mindset and that mentality, as you've pointed out. Go ahead, Tony. She's going to live in that world between Gravik and Talos because she was mad at them both for different reasons. One for not being firm enough and one for being too, you know, uh, maniacal is a verb we've been using here today. So that's kind of what I think moving forward. It'll be interesting though. She's kind of under the wing of Sonya, who seems to be one of the most brilliant people they got going right now in the MCU. So I'm interested to see her agenda too. Yeah. I'm interested to see more of her character. I really enjoyed a lot of the things she did in this series. She indeed was a lot of fun. All right, let's get to the other big Brody-sized elephant in the room. As we've known this, you know, we've known this for a couple of episodes now that, you know, Brody was a scroll in disguise. The question has become, how long was Brody under? 
how long has he been gone? And when he's pulled out of stasis, can't use his legs, very disoriented. And so the speculation, of course, the internet, right, wearing a hospital gown. And so the the speculation uh, about the internet as to when that switch happened seems to be around Civil War, uh, which kind of throws, well, it doesn't kind of, throws all kinds of new lenses at every MCU movie involving James Rhodes from Civil War forward to to present. Because that dude, by the way, he's been in everything, which is why he was such a good choice for a scroll to replace. Because he's trusted by the government, obviously he was in close with the president, he was know, big part of Stark Industries um, with Nick Fury and Shield, close to the Avengers because he's an Avenger. Uh, it made a lot of sense. Uh, also means that uh, he was fighting in, you know, Infinity War, was fighting in the big battle, uh, which then also begs a different question. Does that mean there was scroll DNA within the Harvest mix if they collected all this other stuff because Rhodey was involved in there? So now there's scroll DNA in the Harvest which what does it really do? It doesn't even really matter because, you know, guys a scroll anyway. But all of that is to say that if Rhodey has been a scroll since since the events of Civil War, after after suffering that, you know, that fall uh, and, you know, being in the races, uh, it, it blows up a lot. And it creates a very, I, this is something I did like out of the finale. And again, probably because known this character for so long, since Iron Man 1, um, it, it makes Rhodey extremely compelling for whatever happens with him next. If it's armor wars, because you, you have to think that guy's got to wrestle with learning that his best friend died, that he was largely responsible for a near alien, a near successful alien invasion, probably sabotaging the United States government in all kinds of ways before that. Like, He's, and just knowing what you know about the character, because he does have a strong sense of responsibility. That's one of the things that was always a good counterpoint for him, for Tony. Like he, that, that's some good stuff for Don Cheadle to work with if they have the guts to write about it. Uh, is is what I'll say. Uh, and so I'll be, I'm extremely interested to see what happens to, to Colonel Rhodes moving forward in the MCU. Ray, you went last this time. I'll have you go first. So I love the response of the director, who basically said. The whole point of us doing that and leaving it so amb- so ambiguous was that you'll get your answer in Armor Wars, but like if you think it was after Civil War, cool. But the speculation is more important until you get the answer, which will probably be a year or so down the road. And I like that because I think in situations like that, speculation is more is more important than the answer. Because I mean, imagine how many conversations and think pieces and podcasts like we're doing and all these things that have come out between now and Armor Wars or Ironheart or whatever he's in next. And I'll, and you're absolutely right. Rhodey is such a tangential character that he's important enough to be involved, but he's not important enough to be like the head guy. It's like he's perfect background character who's who matters. Um, but I do, if, if you're asking my personal opinion, I do subscribe to the thought process that Marvel doesn't make a mistake visually. So if what we see him in is the is the gown that we saw him in getting the MRI or the CAT scan in Civil War, and they want us to know that that was when. No different than Ever Ross, we saw him in the black button-down shirt, and that the last time we saw him in that was when he was arguing with Val in his house when Val realized that he was really working with the Wakandans. So I think that's where they want us to think, and I don't think that I don't think they would, as big a real reveal as that is, I don't think they would 
that would be a misnomer because you laid it out as perfect, more perfect than anybody could ever lay it out, Patrick. The work, the, the ability that that type of feeling and, 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 and plot could be for Don Cheadle to play out over the next two, three years, that's Oscar-worthy shit, right? This dude, not literally, but like that's for an actor to sink their teeth into? My God, that's what you want. That's what you want in a character. Um, and it's a lot more interesting than same old roadie, Colonel in the or in the Air Force. I'm here. I'm black and I'm proud guy. No, no, that shit is better. I want to see him deal with that. You know, because he he got to have a conversation with Happy. He got to have a conversation with um um Damn. Pepper. He got to have a conversation. Like he he got some people to talk to, and I'm really 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 hyped for it. So um I'm here. Also, maybe this is the beginning of him and Carol. I, I don't know why I put this together, but, you know, him and Carol were together in the comics. Maybe that something leads from that. Maybe. Dave. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, that's the most compelling aspect of the show, I think, at the end of everything is, um, is Rhodey. And it, like Ray said, it's certainly leading into Armor Wars and speculation is running rampant. And, and it sure looks like Civil War was when they got him. But, but you look at Rawa and, and Rava and how she you know, her portrayal of Rhodey during this entire series. And you try and reconcile that with the Rhodey that we saw in Infinity Ward, in Endgame, and the emotion that he displayed. I mean, he's the first person to come to Tony after he does a snap. And he's in tears because he knows his best friend. And that's that's the hard part that's hard for me to reconcile. It's like, does a scroll have that range of emotions on the battlefield after what they've gone through to show that? I mean... So it raises all sorts of questions in my mind. It did is it really? Did they get him when he was at Civil War? Did they get him some other time? Was it somewhere within the you know the blip? Maybe the real well, maybe the real Rhodey blipped out and was brought back. I don't know. But I mean, that's that to me is the most fascinating aspect. And I think, like Ray saying, and like you're saying too, Pat, it does raise the stakes. Like Armor Wars could be a very emotional experience with Rhodey coming to terms with everything that went down. You know, and all the people that have been lost since, you know, he was he was tight with Nat. He doesn't know she's dead if they got him at Civil War. Uh, He doesn't know about Tony, doesn't know about Vision, um, you know, doesn't have any cap, Cap doesn't know what happened. Yeah, him and Cap are tight. Wait a second. You're telling me he's an old man now. Um, So, yeah, it 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 makes the prospect of Armor Wars a lot more intriguing than, than it probably was before to say, okay, what's actually going on with this thing? Cause I, and I, you know, kind of come full circle. I think, and I was going to throw this out to you guys. I feel like at this point, and a lot of people have complained that the MCU feels disjointed and I've been very resistant of that up until like this series. I'm like, okay, this does feel a little, di- we have to move this forward. We're like into phase five now. And it's like, there's still like where where's the direction that we're I know it's multiversal and we're bringing in all these characters but to me it just feels like we need to take a step in the right direction towards where are we actually going and that was my biggest complaint Ray this series was fine on its own but every I listened to everything you said but it's like this felt like we didn't move in a certain direction like we probably need to it's getting a little bit late in the game you need to move in a direction armor wars could be that that big movement that we get this is your friendly reminder that Marvel didn't know what the fuck it was doing for its first phase and barely knew what it was doing 
three movies into its second phase. No, but by the end of phase one, it was, at the end of Avengers, you see Thanos. You knew you were getting an Avengers movie. That's what you knew you were getting. No, at the you end of Avengers, Avengers, you got movie, you Thanos in the post-credit. Your, your own words, the most in, oh, impactful sorry. post-credit scene of all time was Thanos' reveal at the end of Avengers. So I'm just saying. Even, even within that timeline, that was, I, I just, I think that, I think that people have really under, like, in defense of what happened to Marvel, literally after Thanos, there's so much aftermath that has to be, like, yes. introduced yeah. and resolved before, like, I think we're, we, we got so conditioned and hyped as an audience because of, you know, the way the films kind of came together and were built. We're still in the, we're, we're st- like this, this whole time that we've been through has been a lot of just putting pieces on a table for the next part. And I get what you're saying, Dave, that you're ready for what's the dinner. Like we, we put the, even the dinner, down, like the appetizer, the I think at this point, give me, but give me some it, chicken wings, you know, <laughs> this like is like when Dave was mad over not getting a trailer for Wakanda forever until like February. I was mad too. Where's my trailer? Yeah, Ray was mad All too. Right. I know, I know, I know. But my point here is, is that there's there's been a lot. I think there's from a studio too. I think there's been some studio mistakes that have happened that have been very frustrating for people as well. I think they went too aggressive. With and and you've heard that come out now that even Feige has admitted we we tried to do too much as well. And so when you put all this stuff out there, you don't really have time to really absorb it and take it in either. And so then it also feels very because think about everything we've had since in right like it, it's all over the place and so it does feel all over the place. I, we, and, we also know that there's like three more phases before we get there tony real real quick i i agree with a lot of what you guys are saying so i'm going to kind of skip to one thing we really didn't hit on yes we're kind of waiting for this all to get connected in a really big way and that anticipation is real but what about like didn't didn't Rody discourage sam from taking the shield as well that's another huge relationship that we need to go look at as well you know he doesn't know that but like, it's always going to be, and that's a perfect series and things of that nature to be like, we can't totally trust you, you know, even though it's, it is you now. He didn't discourage him from taking the shield. He discouraged him for, for, for him not taking the shield. He was mad that he didn't take it. He thought he should have kept the shield. He was mad he gave it up. And I would say that, that is, by the time that series, by the time that series happens, the switch has taken place there. I think we, we should all probably agree on that, that by the time so, Falcon and Winter Soldier, they've swapped, yeah. right? And and that establishes at least a minimal point. Now the maximum point we'll hopefully find out like everything else that we want to get connected here. Well, so if y'all remember that if y'all remember in Endgame, um Rhodey and Nebula went to um Morag. Thank you. And Nebula reaches in the thing with her hand and gets the orb and she looks at Rhodey and said, I wasn't always this way and he says, Neither was I, but do the best with what you got. All of us took that as him being paralyzed. Maybe that was Rava saying, right. and I was used to be this. Like, there are so many little small Easter eggs yeah, you can yeah. go back to. And Marvel has set a precedent for this. I, I, I know you're tired of me bringing this up, but Drakov's daughter and Avengers, right? That, that was 10 years before that was touched back, right? And and last my last thought real fast, Dave. To your point, we have gotten appetizers you want. Kang. We know Kang is here. We know he's coming. We know we know that we know there's a multiversal threat because we've had multiple movies dealing with multiple universes. Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man No Way Home. So many so, so many of these. We know we have a cosmic thing going 
because we've had so many cosmic things. And now we're in the verge of dealing with the uh, aftermath of what's happening on Earth. And what I mean by that is not just the squirrels, but Tiamat Island, um, the Thunderbolt, like all of that. So all everything's coming together right as the Council of Kings is going to pop up. But look what's next. Loki. That was what started all this with the Northiversal stuff, right? That was the first time we saw that with the TVA and all that. That's coming up next in October. Right after that, the Marvels, cosmic stuff. So the, 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 it's there. I just think, have you ever made a stew or some type of food that has a lot of ingredients? And while you're making it, it don't look right. But once it's done, you're like, oh, that shit looks scrumptious. You still see the ingredients being made, right? So... Ray, you're younger and you have more patience than me. I don't have that much time left, God damn it. We need to get there. <laughs> True. Another Dave might be dead. I know. That's a good point. Can I can I ask one thing of the group? Because Pat, you and I disagreed on this, but I wanted to see what Ray saw, thought of it. It bugged me there was no post-credit scene. That pissed me off. All six episodes, you don't give me nothing. It's the first time they've done that, right? Have they done Yeah. And I mean no. it's like yeah, I was like I know Pat, go ahead, Pat. I'm not gonna speak for you, but I was fine with it because I felt like the denouement of the episode was basically what you would like. I honestly think the Nick Fury with his wife throw it up. That would have been like our post credit scene sort of tease uh, in the way that it that was, was important. Just, maybe, maybe not necessarily like he makes the offer. We end. He goes up to go up. She comes back to She comes, she comes to them. Like, I don't, I don't know. It just didn't bug me because we, we know we've got the Marvels coming. We, I don't know. I just, I didn't need the segue. I, I, so I was fine with it. Like I watched the credits like everybody else. It was like, huh, they didn't do it. Uh, but I, should, I was not, I was not bothered by it. I was not should, bothered by it at all. What should have been the post credit scene was probably the scene with Sonya and, and Gaia. Oh yeah. That's, that's another good example. That should have like, been it was the post credit Yeah. Scene. Like the, the falling action piece felt like post credit level of material. So I was, I was fine with it. I, I yeah, Dave, Dave and I did have a brief little like, they was disappointed, and I was like, oh, I just, I'm I cool. just said, I was like, tradition, man. It, it's, it's been traditional since it happened. And uh, Tony, Tony hasn't weighed in. What'd you think, man? I also fast forward 10 seconds at a time at the end just to make sure because you don't want to be the dumbass that shows up and didn't stay. But yeah, well, no, once you get to those Asian credits, I know it's probably very, right. when you get <laughs> well, all the Disney, different, well, different languages. Disney, yeah. yeah, Disney Plus does you guys a favor. You know that, right? Like, Disney whenever Plus, it's the next show, yeah. Yeah, whenever Disney Plus shrinks it down and says, watch this now, you know you're done with original footage. Okay, we've been going about an hour talking about this, so we have got to put a bow on Secret Invasion. Lots coming up. Uh, Good conversation, everyone. Uh, I'm a thumbs in the middle because I'm really sour on the end of that that finale. Like, And so I can't can't give it a full thumb. I'm with Pat. Thumbs in the middle. Ray and I overall thumbs up. Overall, thumbs up for sure. I'd be, be a solid B as a series. Maybe a B minus. No. All right. Well, there you have it, everyone. Our opinions on uh, Secret Invasion, semi-nerd approved. We are going to go into our first commercial break. We're going to say goodbye to Ray. Ray, tell everybody where they can find you on the Chair Shot Radio Network and the socials. Well, love you, You can you find boys, up the Chair NFL this fall, baby. Shit. You got must be talking about you must be talking about Ray Dollars, not Ray Cash. Um, love you boys, by the way. Um, at you can find me at it's Ray Cash, R E Wise Mysterio X, uh, uh, C A S H as in dollars on uh, Degeneration X. All right, all right, and with that, 
we head into our first commercial break. When we come back, we're going to do the trailer park and a topic Patrick forgot last week. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of chairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot for all of your chairshot apparel needs. $19.99 for a shirt. Spend a few dollars more, though. Get it soft style. Feel great on your giblets. And we'll thank you accordingly. All right. Dave, Tony, we're down a bandwagoner. It doesn't mean we don't keep going. This is like the motherfucking Oregon Trail in this bitch. Ray died of dysentery. We're still going. All right. This is we're on the wow. Oregon Trail. That's awesome. Right? That's how you, you lost me. You died of dysentery. Since we're on the, since we're on the Oregon Trail now. <laughs> We're on the Oregon Trail, and we're, we're in our little covered wagon, our covered bandwagon, if you will. We need a little banjo to get us into the trailer park. Dave, did they have banjos the on the Oregon Trail? Probably. They had something. You can't imagine they did it. I mean, either that or it was the theme song to Rawhide playing. Uh, Blues Brothers, nothing. Had them up, move them out, move them on, had them up. All right. Five trailers this week. First two are Patrick O'Dowd specials. 
Blue Wolf, though, the first one I picked, I'm not going to lie, guys. I picked it because it got me in the fields. Like, I, I, got, I got in the fields a little bit as I was scrolling through, and I came across this film titled The Great Escaper. Uh, what did, do you do a Michael Caine, Tony? Are you the one who, who, who does the Michael Caine impersonation? Or am I thinking of somebody else who does a, a great Michael Caine? Not me? Not you? All right, well, I'm wrong. Well, this film stars the great Michael Caine, along with Glenda Jackson in her final role before she sadly passed away, based on a true story of a British World War II veteran who broke out of his nursing home to attend a 70th anniversary D-Day commemoration in France. And I don't know if it's the actor involved. I don't know if it's the way that they approached it. But there was just something. And maybe it's just because I've been on the string of Oscar Beatty movies as well that I've been putting in there. Um, I, this this movie, with, you know, really focuses on Michael Caine's character and the Clinton Jackson character, Bernard and Rena, or Renee Jordan. They're married. They're a married couple. Uh, their relationship and her encouragement to him to say, fuck it. And go meet up with these old soldiers and commemorate D-Day and what you all endured and, and suffered uh, in one of the most horrific battles in World War II. Uh, and so to be able to basically pay your respects to one another, it's, I don't know, it looks very, it looked very, very interesting, compelling as they follow him as he journeys to France, kind of on the run from this nursing home. So there's a little bit of a humorous twist to it. Um, in the sense that, you know, here's this old guy alluding, uh, alluding the authorities to, to get to this, to this commemoration. I thought it looked really interesting. And so I forced you guys to watch the trailer. Uh, we'll start with Dave because Dave, you were alive during World War II. Um, how was, um, how was that? Um, did you relive some old glories? I uh, check it out. My- I'm a D-Day survivor. Um, that, that's not, that's not, that's disrespectful to the people who are actually there. Um, when I watch this trailer, I'm like, what the fuck is Pat trying to make me cry this morning for? I was like, God, this is just, it, it just, it, it, it's an emotional thing. And it very, I don't, you know, not very nerd based other than the cast who's tremendous, of course. But um, yeah, definitely very emotional. I think, you know, Disney meet up with like a, you know, German soldier who was there as well as part of the whole. Nope. Yeah, that was, that was pretty. I mean, that hasn't really been done before getting their perspective of the exact same battle. You know, and, and from what one side experience to the other, it's it's not it's like probably nothing I'm going to check out just because like I don't need to cry. Um, but I, I take nothing you know away from the cast. It's OK to cry, Dave. It's I know okay. it is, but you know, I, it's you, like, you know, it doesn't threaten your masculinity to cry. A little bit. I'm just I'm saying it's not. Okay. I would never say that it would threaten my masculinity. It's just like, uh, I don't know if I need to cry today if I need to, you know. Then I'll check it out. But I, I take nothing away from the cast or what the movie looks like. It Funny. looks it looks tremendous. Yeah. Historical historical story based on you know based on history, true story, uh, real deal. I know part of what drew you to Oppenheimer is that it's a historical drama about a period in time. This is a different sort of story. But your thoughts on the Great Escaper trailer? I can't wait to see this in 3D. <laughs> In the art house theater that it played. I kid, I kid. And I did not see Oppenheimer this week. I I apologize to the nerds. Uh, It will happen eventually. My my plans changed, and I and I did something better. You went to see Barbie, didn't you? No, I didn't. I I podcasted instead. So no big deal. I'll get there. Um, But yeah, this looks pretty good. It's I I think it's going to really tell how good this is. 
is how well they're going to connect this story because it seems like they're telling the love story as well of when they fell in love and that time period as well. And it's all going to be interconnected. So you're telling a full circle story and you're on each side of the hemisphere at the same time. How do you intertwine that and make it really good? Because obviously it looks like the acting is going to be excellent. It looks like the cinematography is really well done as well. So I'm interested to see just how they weave the past and the present together. And I think that's going to determine the success of this movie. Absolutely. I think it looks like it's going to be a great one. I think it's going to be worth the time to check out and watch. And we're going to go from heartfelt, tear-jerking drama into the realm of the weird a little bit with this next trailer. Simon Pegg, starring in the film Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. Let's just start with the cast, because here's why I put this. So first of all, it's a guy who is, he is a parapsychologist. He's like a, a, paras- a paranormal investigator who like is brought in because this town claims that there is a talking mongoose locked in this thing, uh, in this like shed or whatever. And Simon Pegg is, he's a great comedic actor all on his own. This is billed as a dark comedy, stars Minnie Driver, Christopher Lloyd, Neil Gaiman is the voice of Jeff the mongoose um edmund kingsley is playing harry houdini like there's a lot going on here for a trailer that really is just about that really just shows simon Pegg, like sort of talking about the absurdity of it all before kind of losing his mind because he thinks there's a mongoose talking to them on the other to him on the other side of a door color me intrigued looks like it's dark british and something tony will see in 3d that's 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 what i think 3d again we got all the 3D hits are hits today. Anytime you think of mongoose on the big screen, you think of 3D. 3D. Uh, I think you, the cast. We, we always talk about that, right? If you have this kind of ensemble cast, you go, okay, you know what? There's a there's a better than 50% chance that this is just worth my time at the very least. Some of them end up being really good. Some of them end up being really bad. And much like uh, quick greens on the on the putting surface with with the hole put right at the crest of of maybe a, a downhill slope. You have such a fine line on whether or not you connect on these things. So I'm interested. It, it it's definitely a watch at home after a couple drinks kind of thing. Um, we'll see. Uh, this is this is like hey, I'm gonna leave the thumb in the middle until a few of you tell me what you thought of it. Fair enough, Dave. Yeah, well, He's skipping it. I can already see his face. No, uh, the cast looks great. It it looks it looks out there. I mean, it, it's it's got definitely some uh, nerd based cred to it. Um, <laughs> talking mongoose. Why not? Right. I, I think 3D would be the way to go for that. I, I I see no reason not to. So yeah, I I won't skip this. I, I think if I've got a chance, I'll, I'll probably check it out because it looks it looks very intriguing. I mean, sure. Let's do it. Let's go. I also love Simon Pegg. Like I just oh, yeah. love Simon yeah. Pegg and his his performances and his brand of humor. You know, since his Shaun of the Dead days. Anytime he Can dabbles in this sort of stuff, it's usually pretty good. Since we're making fun of me seeing things in 3D, and I started it, and I don't think it's on the rundown here. Do you guys want to comment on the fact that Marvels won't be an IMAX because Dune Two has like exclusivity over IMAX for four to five weeks? As it should. Dune Two is going to get delayed, Tony. So you're not going to have to worry about that. Oh, everybody oh, breathe. Just... Nothing has been said about Dune 2 right. being delayed. We're going to talk about... The... That's later in the show, guys. We talk about delays when we bitch about the strike. That's later in the show. Just, you know, take a deep breath. All right. Let's move on to a trailer that Tony put out. Uh, I, full disclosure, have not seen the first season of this show. Uh, Nor have I. But, oh, no. So, here's what I'll tell you. 
as HBO, or sorry, Max released Winning Time Season 2's first trailer. Uh, I love me some Magic Johnson, and, I, and, I, and I'm interested enough in a show do to you, check it out. Do you, based on Magic do, you both have, do you both have PayPal accounts? Yes. Are you going to pay us to watch this? Is that what you're going to say? If, watch the first season, and if you don't like it, if you can legitimately come on here and say you don't like it, if you say K, that doesn't count, but you're going to like it. If you say, I don't like this, didn't like it, you wasted my time. I'll PayPal you five I, bucks. I did see parts of the first season. I just haven't watched it. it. It looks really good. The Lakers rise. I'll tell you why I'd be more inclined to watch season two. It's the Lakers Celtics. It's bird magic. I mean, that was you got to my... watch season one, though. Season one is so phenomenal and sets everything up and gives you everything that become. it's just watch it. So I'm not even going to say it's not that uh, it's not that I've been like, I have no interest in watching this show. I've just prioritized other things on the list, kind of like how um, how you have like our, our priorities have been differently. Like you watch stars on Mars and I don't. So, you know. I don't know. I got but I mean, remember, um, remember back in the day when the Sega Genesis was out, they had that early EA sports game was Magic versus Larry. I mean, that was like they wrapped the whole video game around that. Oh, rivalry. yeah. Like the, the, the story. I mean, they've made documentaries about their rivalry and the Celtics and the Lakers in the 80s. So I 100 percent expected to be a good movie I, or a good series. I just it's. First season is about Jerry Buss and taking over a flailing team okay. and betting it all on a kid that he drafted. Flailing, so, flailing is complimentary for the league. Well, 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 yes, I will. I will try to prioritize it up in the. You'll camp. watch. You watch one episode. You won't watch anything else until you're done. I mean, I gotta watch The Witcher. That's really what I gotta do. So does Tony. So does Tony. I will fucking. I will fucking walk to Massachusetts and slap you. <laughs> That's a long walk, dude. I, I think I'm good. <laughs> I know. I'm I not too worried about that. But I'm not looking for it. I'll walk I'll behind watch. you with like a guitar. I can be your bard, Tunny. Yes. Okay. Toss a coin to your Tunny, O Valley of Plenty. All right. Let's move on to the next film out there. The entire title did not end up on, on the rundown. I don't know. I was having some cut and paste issues, apparently. Uh, but we got our first real look at the new Exorcist film. And okay. I, um, I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. We got creepy children possessed. We got two families tied together. The Exorcist, Believer. We have original cast members from the first Exorcist film, like Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair confirmed. I was going to ask you film. about Linda Blair. I couldn't tell whether she was in it or not, but I'm glad you're confirming her. According, according to what I'm seeing listed, yes, she is listed as a cast member renewing her role as Reagan. So this to me, because there's been a lot of exorcist follow-ups and sequels. And I oh, am I coming through guys? Okay. My uh my Zoom call is is acting wonky and I don't think it's my bad internet. But um you know I'm looking at this this film and there's been a lot of recent attempts to do like an exorcist movie. Like there's you know and, and can you kind of keep that story going. This one feels like kind of the most connected and I think has the best chance of, of going somewhere. And so I'm excited for it. I'm ready for creepy children that are possessed by the devil. Sign me up. Captain Howdy returns. Bring it. Tunny has made it very clear he is not interested. We will skip him. Dave, you in? Tunny oh, yeah. is making signs of Dude, the cross at the camera. I'm in. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say I want to see this shit in 3D because that might be a bit much. Fucking A right I do. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> but I think, like, I shared this trailer with my niece, my nephew, and my wife, and I gave a warning to my wife. I said, do not watch this trailer because she does not do well with trailers like this. Uh, this felt very much like the original movie, like like you're saying, Pat. Some definite ties, and it, it's not just bringing back Ellen Burstyn bringing back uh, Linda Blair, who obviously have a lot of familiarity with this franchise and in the world of the movie, the demon itself. So, but yeah, two girls go missing in the woods. They come back and they're both possessed by Captain Howdy. That's, that's a bad, bad mojo, bad recipe. So um, it does have a lot of feeling like the original, which a lot of the spinoffs with the possible exception of Exorcist 3 and the best jump scare of all time. uh, Maybe that one comes kind of close, but this feels like, it's right in that wheelhouse, and I, I I dare say, at the risk of my own sanity, I want to check it out. Me too. I can't wait. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So, very, very excited about this. Let's move into our last one. This one being a trailer that Dave shared. Uh, I do want to I do want to recognize that we had another trailer drop that I just didn't have time to add uh, for what dropped yesterday. There was a trailer that dropped yesterday. Um, Saw. Saw X, another one that Tony's going to line up and see. In 3D, in in IMAX. In 3D. Oh, yeah, 3D and IMAX, all the way. Uh, But the last uh, trailer that we did get, it was a very brief trailer for Gen V, the spinoff series connected to the boys following young superheroes, college-age superheroes in training, doing horrible, horrible things, because that's what we do in the boys' universe. Um. So the main character, and I don't remember her name, clearly has the ability to like manipulate her own blood to do stuff to people, um, like kill them. And I'm very concerned slash intrigued as to how that all works. Because it's kind of gross on screen, which, shocker, it's the boys. There's a lot of things that are gross on screen. Um, but, I mean, just ew. Just ew. Other than that, I mean, it looks gory, it looks campy, it looks like everything we want the boys to be when we watch the boys. This looks no different. But, I'm certain that the people around this bandwagon will be checking it out. Right, Tony? I think you're talking about Marie Maru, played by Jazz Sinclair. Um, and I think the biggest question to this is I can't wait for season four of The Boys. Does this happen during season three, leading into season three? Is this what happens as we get to season four? Where does this lie? Because we have a lot of characters from The Boys that are involved in this series that you see clearly in this trailer. Um, we got, we got the head, uh, exploder, uh, we got, uh, Mr. V himself, uh, the really fast guy in the blue. I can't remember his name right now, even though I got A-Train? Uh, Marie. Yeah. A train is in the trailer. So you got a lot of things going on there. There's also when they walk into Vaught, there's already a, um, mural on the, on the ceiling of Homelander and, and a lot of the seven. So it's interesting because. I think Marie Moreau is trying to become the first black woman and maybe like freshman in the Academy to become part of the seven. So it's kind of like euphoria meets the, um, the boys almost. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be fun. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it's it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be bonkers. Where is it and, in the universe? When does it happen? Right. And it's going to be really, really weird. Dave. Yeah, I mean, this felt like the boys all, all the way. Every aspect of it felt like a, a boys trailer. And with season four, in limbo until the strike ends and they finally reach an agreement as to when they're going to release it. If this is coming ahead of time, this is the best we're going to get for a little while. And it looks, it looks every bit like a, a direct 
you know, not a sequel, but running parallel to the boys, like Tony saying, I don't know when it happens in the timeline, oh. and that's fine. But I, I'm definitely Ashley's there. Ashley's a yeah, part of Ashley's the cast there. as well. So, so I like you be... got to just associate these characters, right? Yeah, is I... it her coming up into it first, or is she coming down to check on shit? I don't feel like it's a prequel, but I think it could come anywhere between in seasons one, two, or three. I mean, indeed, we'll we'll find out. And and I guess you know the series isn't too far away, so we're gonna find out soon. Very very exciting stuff. It's the only universe we really haven't had any strong disappointment in yet, Patrick. Let us have it. We need to speculate. What what I okay. Um, we, we we find we find problems in everything else. We haven't found a problem in the boys yet, have we? I don't think so. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, let's let's shift to. We've never really complained about this next universe, the de-animated universe, and this is a this is a make good on my part uh, because last week we meant to talk about this, and I excuse me by the way, um, and I forgot, like just literally blew over it in the rundown and was like, I'm done. Uh, close the show and then i get a message from dave as i'm closing the show and i'm like oops so last week uh, around july 22nd or so dc announced it's one of its newest animated movie adaptations in the works and it is a huge story from dc comics huge huge if you want to talk like trumpster and that is because dc has announced that they are adapting Crisis on Infinite Earths into an animated movie. They announced this during San Diego Comic-Con during the panel for its newest R-rated animated movie, Justice League War World. So, gentlemen, Dave, it looks like you're being pointed at to go first. Your thoughts, because this is uh, the stage is yours, because I, I got nothing on this. So oh, I... you, two asked, you, got, you two asked for 10 minutes. So you we get need, we won't need 10. 10 minutes. We won't need 10. But... All I'll say, it well, Tony might, um, taking the, I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths basically establishes, yeah, Patrick just left, that's okay, uh, basically establishes the uh, the multiverse and, and was DC's, I think I talked about it on that DC documentary, how uh, Wolfman, Marv Wolfman basically described why they did Crisis on Infinite Earths because new people to DC couldn't access, it wasn't accessible because like, where do I start? Which character, which Batman am I talking about? Which Superman? And this was their solution to that, to, you know, get it all down to one universe. But along the way, you had the iconic death of Flash. You had the iconic death of Supergirl, the most emotional, um, you know, series done so far. I know, Tony, the Arrowverse redid it. They did, did Crisis on Infinite Earths. I, you know, saw most of that. I don't know. But I saw, like, the parts of it I saw I really liked. Um, obviously, for a lot of reasons, they... They switched who died and when and where, you know, with Arrow being the casualty and not Flash and Supergirl not really being a casualty. But if you're telling me you're going to take probably one of the most influential comic stories of all time, give it to DC Animation, which, as Patrick alluded, we don't complain about DC Animation. They rarely miss. Uh, I'm so excited about my only hope is they split this into two parts. I don't want to see Crisis on Infinite Earths in one thing because I don't think. It's too deep and too rich of a story to just have one part. Give me parts one and two. Take the time to develop this. You can, you know, do really wonders with this whole thing if it's in two parts. That's my only hope. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that they're actually adapting this to the uh, to DC animation. 
it's really interesting because you talked about the original comic in the mid 80s 85 to 86 it was mainly its own it had some connectivity with what was going on because that comic was so multiversal like you pointed out they wanted to create one thing and that's kind of where they got it i think it was dozen episodes over that time with connectors what story do they tell because you brought up the cw as well and how they did christ that you know not completely different uh well done but not crisis on infinite earths from the mid 80s comics which but there's so many different stories to tell i'm trying to remember the list so i'm looking at it right now infinite crisis final crisis dark crisis which is completely different i think they'll stick with, with the, i think they'll stick with the original with, but what, right and and i was that's the point i'm getting to is in doing the original they have so much more to go with and they love to carry these through they do part twos and threes on all these animated movies so you you really get introduced to the meaning of the paragons and how important they are and what role they actually play so it's interesting to see what variation of this story they're going to tell because all the characters are connected i think i'm just coming off of um apocalypse war which was really good so I've really been getting into them. I can't wait to for them to have this become a series. Right, right. And and yeah, like you're saying, I mean, there's there's a lot of different directions they can go in. But the great thing about Crisis on Infinite Earths was that it started like, let's get rid of the multiverse. And along the way, as a side effect, you got a great story. And I think that's kind of what you're going to get here. It's interesting because... Me, by the way, guys. Oh, no, go ahead. Finish your, finish your talk. It's interesting because I wonder if they do like where the Super Justice League team vanishes with leaving the superheroes that don't know anything, you know, in a world that's saved. Because that was a big part of having that happen. It was kind of like a making that clean slate. And that's really the biggest thing that happened at the end of Crisis. Do they do something like that? Go ahead, Pat. Oh, I just I can't answer any of those questions. All I can all I can say is. I, I I was waiting to see if there was a response there before I go. Because this just reminds me that you guys owe me a list of um, DC animated features and where I'm supposed to start to watch this like latest run. Didn't I give that to um, you? I gave it to, I gave it to you, Tony, right? I'll send it to you, Pat. I got you, I got a list you, for you. You spoke it. You spoke it. You may have spoken it on the show, but like I didn't write it down. I, I host. I don't you got, work. You I, got, linked, you got, I linked it in our chat. Right? I've, I've since lost the link, so... Uh, a resend would be appreciated. I'll send it How's to you that? directly right now. Oh, look at you. Cool. All right. I, I know a lot of people are excited about this. I know it is a, a benchmark story, a comic event uh, that, that was written in the history of DC Comics. Important enough that it was mentioned in the DC Comic uh, documentary that uh, H, or HBO put out and is on Max. Uh, I did watch that documentary, by the way. It is a good documentary. Um I, I do think the third episode's a little self-congratulatory and might uh, overstate some success of some franchises, if I were to say. Let's just say, if we're talking about Crisis, maybe hopefully this is a harbinger of things to come for the new DC. Perhaps. We'll have to see. Uh, very interested to see what happens with the Blue Beetle. All right. We're going to take our second commercial break, head into the home stretch of this episode. Uh, we come back, we will give you all the latest of what we've got going on with the writers and actor strikes and some other news around the nerdosphere. We're even going to revisit Barbie because, boy, that's a story worth following. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All 
right. Hello. Welcome back, Basement Dwellers. Patrick O'Dowd, PC Tunney, David Ungar still here with you on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com, ProWrestlingTees.com, where's that ChairShot? Invest in us. Get yourself sweet, sweet ChairShot swag. Good-looking stuff out there. Bandwagon Nerd Shirt. We'll buy the Bandwagon Nerd Shirt. Represent us. We're awesome. We want to be known. You should share us and share how much you learn by listening to myself, Dave, Tony, Ray, DJ, sometimes Aesop, all kinds of folks. Even 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 a rare, a very, very rare occasional DPP sighting, like once in a blue moon, the bluest of moons. But according to Dave, or not Dave, according to Tony, fuck that. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into the newest piece of, uh, okay, I'm just going to say it. The strike's finally fucking with my world, guys. Fucking with my world. Now, I say that knowing full well that the article that I linked to, the conversation piece we're going to have here in a minute, um, there's some nuance there. Uh, but Sony, citing the upcoming writer, or citing the writers and director strike, or uh, writers and actor strike, shuffled up its uh, release dates, moving Craven the Hunter back, shifting its release plans for Gran Turismo, shifting its release date for Bad Boys 4, Venom 3, and in a final punch in the nuts, indefinitely holding on the release of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Or sorry, Beyond the Spider-Verse. No release date. They pulled it entirely. Now, this is all, you know, we, we've been going through this again. This is the latest domino to fall. What's really interesting about Beyond the Spider-Verse, though, is that if you've been paying attention to other pieces of news around the entertainment industry, the word on the street was Beyond the Spider-Verse, because of the demands that were necessary to animate the thing, the movie was never going to make its release date on time because of the labor still needed to make them. So to kind of leverage the actors and writers strike as the kind of quote unquote reason that this bad boy is now on an indefinite timetable to be released is disingenuous and best. I just want to be mad about it for a few minutes and be like, fucking Sony, fuck you, you piece of shit company for fucking everybody. You took the one good fucking property that you have done with the Marvel and Spider-Man universe is the one thing that you've gotten right. You haven't fucked this one up. And maybe that's why you're not doing it right now. Maybe that's why you decided we're just going to make it indefinite because you knew you were pushing something that was going to be shit if you released it on the timetable that you promised. So you said, hey, we'll hide behind the writers and actors strike and we'll just fuck everybody in the ass anyway because we're going to fuck them a different way. We're going to make you fucking wait for this movie because fuck you and your fucking base, you know, your fucking impatience. We want you to enjoy our fucking movie on our fucking timeline, you fucking Meldons. Fuck you, Sony. Fucking bullshit timeline changing shit when you knew you couldn't get the shit done in the first place you fucking morons you knew you weren't going to do it you're driving these kids these writers and these animators to work ridiculous hours and now you're going to hide behind the fucking writer strike you're going to hide behind the fucking actor strike you're going to fucking fuck everyone and then blame nobody but your fucking sad fucking self dave mark the tape and add in between when I just told you to mark the tape and erase all that, put in Joe Pesci's rant about the cell phone and the drive-thru, because they fuck you at the drive-thru, they fuck you with the cell phone. Patrick. I like, I like Patrick's was, rant better. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, no, you got to follow it up. You got to, you know, 
put them in together. I wish Patrick sometimes would just come on here and take a deep breath and tell us how he really feels. I hold some of this in. Yeah, I, I don't think he was uh, honest enough there or, or just really letting his, his feelings be known. I, I think he's holding back. Tony. Well, just, just fuck them. Just cut through the fucking bullshit. That's all I'm asking. Like, you, you fucking use this as it's, an excuse. Yeah, it's, it's a fucking excuse. It's all going to be games for a long time. It's going to be games for a long time. And you already knew that. That's part of the frustration is you kind of already knew that, didn't you? It's going to be games for a long while here. That that Hollywood, that holiday Hollywood, uh, you know, restart that I had thought it doesn't it doesn't look like it. It looks like we're probably looking at like a COVID shutdown where maybe we come back in fall of 2024. Confidence is low. Very, very low. And it's just it's. Your rant was legendary, and it should be cut out of the show and put out on social media on its own. Maybe it should. I just, uh, it's 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 the it's the lion when everybody knows you're lying, like you're full of shit, and everybody knows you're full of shit. Gamesmanship stuff that's just ridiculous. Dave, you're a lawyer. This is this got to you got to deal with this sort of bullshit gamesmanship stuff all the time. Don't no, you? never, never, never. It's all it's all just clean. It's all on the level. Yeah, no one's ever bullshitting in in the legal field. Uh. I, I got nothing, man. I there I don't even want to try to follow that rant. I, I'm I'm I defer to Tony. I, I can't possibly compete with that other than yeah. <laughs> Sony's full of shit. I mean, I got a I got a rant for the next one too, if you want me to just go on to the next one. Uh, because if if there's nothing else, like fucking Sony is is fucking you with your animated Spider Man, your best property ever. And then we get Paramount, who and uh, I can't I can't remember who shared this. Uh, but Guillermo del Toro tweeted this article and was just like, you got to be kidding me. Because basically, Brian Robbins from Paramount Pictures was talking is talking about like sort of giving Paramount a makeover. Uh, he's talking about, uh, you know, using utilizing Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible Gladiator 2 because we needed a Gladiator 2. And this upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which, by the way, looks really good. It does look really good. Um, but he basically gets into talking about how on on the animation side of things, they're going to continue to bank on existing IP and basically stop making original animated content. And that's just a fucking travesty. And it's, I get it. It's a cynical corporate way to make your money and and i guess fucking make your money by pumping out tired retread films over and over and over again. or tired retread properties over and over and over and over. again i want to be very clear i think the teenage Mutant Ninja turtles movie looks amazing the little o'dowd seeing the trailer in front of haunted mansion this week gave it the official thumbs up and wants to see it as well it is getting reviewed well it looks gorgeous, and that's great. But to stop taking on new IP or new ideas is just patently fucking stupid. And you can't tell me that you can't do both. Like, you can do both. Like, there doesn't have to be one or the other. Brian, if that's your real name, fucking whatever that means. You're just sitting there. If you've never heard of it, we're done. Like, it's got to be Mission Impossible. It's got to be the Minions. It's got to, what, what? No, no. I fucking calm me down. Give us new stuff. No, I'm just if trying you, to keep you comfortable. Just trying to keep you comfortable. You're on fire. 
it's it's mind-boggling that you can see that people like this is the problem with Pixar right now. Is Pixar doesn't put out creative shit right now. They keep putting out another Toy Story movie. We're gonna make Frozen Eight, says Disney. We're gonna do Toy Story nine hundred and twenty-two. We're gonna have seven hundred Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle properties, and they're gonna say you fucking like it. Shovel the ooze down your throat, mutating loving pieces of crap. You will bow to us, your paramount overlords. That's why we're getting more Transformers movies. Again, it's not that they're necessarily bad, but come on. Actually, some of those Transformers movies are really fucking bad. Um, Michael Bay, he killed my childhood. Anyway, I just, what, what are we doing here? Is, is, it, is, it, is, this, is, is this the guy that's going to take the lead in AI writing the next Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie to crank out and love because he's already got the IP? Just fuck that guy. Fuck you. Fuck all the studios. All of the fingers. Fiddles up to the studios today. I rest my case. So uh, about The Witcher, um, and you know, just can't wait to watch it. Uh, I mean, your 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 rant is right on, but I mean, it's, this is what we talked about for years now. There's no there's no originality left. They're just and they're not even they're not even trying to fake it anymore. Like we're coming up with something original. We're just like, nope, we're not even going to try. And it, and that's just it's sad that we've gotten to this point where. We can't make any money off anything, so we're just going to stop trying to think of anything new. So you guys, like you're saying, you'll get nothing and like it. Uh, here's your Mutant Ninja well, Turtles. Here's your Transformers. Take it up the ass, and it's all good. Well, you talk about them playing, you know, repeat stuff. I guess uh, those smart enough to have a good royalty deal will still see those uh, checks coming in uh, through syndication. But yeah, they're, they're, it's games. We just talked about it. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, Patrick, right? Like, oh, well, we have this. This is what we can do to save our ass on this end because we still have to put content out on our network. It's just how it's going to be. How much stuff have you not watched on streaming as a consumer, as we talked about it that way strictly, do you have in your gunny sack, in your safe room, in, in your you know apocalyptic basement shelter? How much content do you have saved up? Because how long is it going to be? Like we said, now what are we, we all in agreement? It's basically fall of 24 basically now. Yeah, I don't, I, it, if it, it ain't happened by the holiday, why is it happening before summer? And why would it happen during summer? And if it did, it would just start up again in fall. It's not going to happen until one side or the other feels the economic pinch really significantly. And that's yep. a year away. I mean, really, I mean, the studios yep. have got stuff they can keep pushing back. The, you know, the writers are going to feel it, you know, then they may, the writers may cave before the actors will, but still, yeah, you're looking at least a year, I think at this point, before we see anything significant happen. You got the guys like The Rock making the biggest donation ever. Yeah, that was huge. I mean, that's, that's big, but he, did he make that to SAG or did he make that to the writers? Because I think it was SAG, I think it was SAG yeah, after. Because had, uh, it's the writers. I think it was a I think it was a conjoint fund of, to yeah. help them get through this, actually. It's the writers So I think a lot it. of that money went to that. Yeah. I hope so, because they're the ones who need the financial influx. 1,000%. All right, guys, let's get into the continued juggernaut that is Barbie and Oppenheimer. As predicted and as discussed on uh, last week's show, we correctly, and I don't even think it was really that big of a surprise, but Barbie, once again, takes the top spot in the box office, grossing with a $93 million weekend, ups, making it the seventh biggest second weekend in domestic box office history. And globally, the film has per- surpassed $750 million in two days. 
Oppenheimer, basically both films dropped by dropped their their gross by about half. Uh, Barbie down to ninety three, Oppenheimer down to forty six. You know, I knew it was gonna I knew it was gonna happen. Um, it was an enjoyable film, but Haunted Mansion finished a distant third. Uh, and boy, that's gonna be rough. Is it's only made thirty three million dollars on a one hundred and fifty million dollar budget to produce. Uh, that's that's gonna be a flop, and it just sucks. And, and some of it's you know probably the timing of when it's being released because not being released in Halloween. But a big part of that too is Barbie being Barbie. Fucking everywhere I went in the theater, man, everybody was dressed in pink. Uh, everybody was going to see that movie. It was you know, and and I say this as somebody who plans to go see it himself. Um, but that was a that was a full that was a full theater. That was a full, or sorry, there's a full Cineplex of Barbie goers. And it, it don't look like it's stopping soon. My question for you guys, does Barbie become the $8 billion movie? How close is it now? $750. $750 million. The only films that have done better have made a billion dollars. I don't know if it has sustaining power. I mean, go ahead, it'll do sorry. at least 50. It'll do at least. No, no, no. You can, you can go. I just was going to comment on that. It should do at least $50 million next weekend. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to make it. And I say, I, I don't know if it has the staying power and the pushback on it in social media has risen sharply this last week. And I think that might keep some people away. You know, you got you got the the assholes are out there talking all their shit. And that that rhetoric, I don't know if you noticed it this week, guys. I noticed it on my feed. That increased quite significantly this week, the, uh, the idiocy about Barbie. So I don't think it's going to make it. But even if it doesn't, it's an unmitigated, tremendous success that exceeded everybody's expectations. So, I mean, if it comes up 850 million, <laughs> okay, that's right. I, I just, I, I don't think it's got the staying power to pull that off, Pat. So I'm going to disagree. I think he's going to do it. I, I think that, yes, there's pushback, but I also think that there's such a strong upswell for this movie. I think this is, uh, this is Black Panther for women. How's that? That's the way I'm going to describe it. Like, I saw people in fucking pink formal wear coming to see this movie. Like, I just, it's a movement. It's I think it's officially Tuddy's, a Tuddy's face says it all. I, and and you could judge that all you want. And you could say whatever. But, you know, for every for every person that's out there decrying that this is a, a, a movie against family values, I'm seeing woman after, no, this is a true thing. I saw somebody post on, on the socials talking about how because Barbie makes women kind of the characters in power and he's just Ken, we're killing the nuclear family home. We don't need our men and blah, blah, blah. It, it's complete it's, it's a complete misrepresentation to me, which I think is fucking hysterical. Just because, just because women are in power doesn't mean they can't be married to, her, to a dude. Right. Like, it does challenge your patriarchy that you're so encultured and believing in that you're threatened by the idea that somebody might have a thought outside of, I must be with man because I am woman. That's if I, if I show up and Ken's doing the dishes, I'm out of there. <laughs> See, and Tony's part of the problem kids. Yeah. The, the, the same people are criticizing that they're the same was saying, God damn, the worst thing we ever did was let him out of the kitchen. Fuck. It's been all downhill from there. So yeah. What are you going to get? Just yeah, It's just, it is. It's disgusting when, when people go that way. But I would say for every one of those people, I've seen so many folks. Who 
who have been the... inspired by it, posting monologues from the movie. Dogs, dis go dogs disagree with it. all that shit. Who wrote and directed this, or who directed this? Greta Gerwig. Yeah, Greta yes. Gerwig. Okay. Did you know that a fart opera she had written into it didn't make it? And yet, oddly enough, that's true though. That's fine. It's a true story. She also tried to write it into something else that she was working on um, pretty famously before this. Maybe it'll show up in her uh, Chronicles of Narnia adaptation because she was tabbed to direct that too. You know, we'll hold on. We'll Aren't get the director's the cut of Barbie. Though. It'll be there. Just saying. Barbie farts. But no, the, the fart the, cut. The there you go. The fart cut. Everybody poops. I, yeah. My, my point here was ju is, is just that like, I just, I think it's going to keep going. I think it's going to, I think it's going to, it's going to eclipse that. Is it going to become the highest grossing movie of all time? Of course not. But it, it has, you know, cemented itself very firmly in the top 10. And so good on that. What is truly frightening to me though, guys, is I get that this movie is awesome. And I think that it is a moment, but the list of Mattel films that, that are out there that are in production, Tony, go ahead. Um, no, I, catch yeah, the, I gotta, catch the I, magic eight ball movie. Yeah, go ahead, Dave. Why don't you comment, and I'll find the list that I posted in the chat. I don't want to comment on this. This is this is just, this is worse than the video game adaptations. It's like just because you caught lightning in a bottle with this, with you know, aren't they like Uno the movie? Wait, what? <laughs> go, go ahead, Tony. Uno, Barney, Wishbone, Matchbox, Hot Wheels, Magic Eight Ball, Polly Pocket, Viewmaster, American Girl, Major Matt Mason, Masters of the Universe. Thomas the Tank Engine, and who isn't salivating for Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Half of those with one notable one that you mentioned that I would say, yes, let's do it right. Let's see, Masters of the Universe, if it's done right, okay. The rest of that is like, uh... Honestly, though, there are some really good ideas in here. American Girl could be huge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Polly Pocket could be a cute Polly movie. Pocket like, could be cool. Be Bar see how long it took us to go over half this list is doable. That's why they're going to do Barney, it because they're going to make money on it. Barney would be one of those ones where they could actually take the same Barbie approach to Barney. Some of you love him, some of you hate him. Actually, a lot of more of us hate him as our kids got older. So you could really play up and do a movie about Barney that could be marketed very similarly, similarly to what Barbie did. Depending on casting, depending on a number of X factors, that's when I would look at and say, okay, that could be a surprise. But yeah, man, Masters of the Universe, who of us don't want to see a really well done live action movie where they didn't run out of money? Yeah, well, it, it sucks because um, there was one in production and it got shut down. Netflix was was in the midst of produ producing one and it got shut down. Uh, you know, they've already made a Rock'em Sock'em Robot movie. It just wasn't called Rock'em Sock'em Robot. Was it called Real you, Steel? You know, Real Steel? Real Steel, yep, the Hugh Jackman film, uh, basically Rock'em Sock'em Robot. So I'm not saying that these movies couldn't be doable. I, you know, I do question a an Uno movie. I do question a Magic Eight Ball movie, and these are in production. Matchbox, like, these aren't like Matchbox and Hot Wheels. Okay, now you're talking. I mean, because they could just say this well, is our version of Fast and the Furious. Well, you already right. have the TV show Hot Wheels, right? I, I I do. I gotta I gotta agree with Tony here though. And just be like, look at look at how far we went from. Oh God, no! To, oh well, you know you could do this with this one. Oh, you can might do this one with that one. So even us here on the nerds, we we just spoke out of both sides of our mouths, guys. Uh, we got we got to own that. I have no desire to see a Barney movie. I could see how they could make it. I have no desire to see a Polly Pocket movie. I could see how they could make it. Uh, American Girl, no desire. 
Hot Wheels, no thanks. Uno, don't even know what you do there. What's the major something, major man or whatever, like whatever that one was. I was like, I've never even heard of that fight. Major Matt uh, Mason. Major Matt Mason. I'm like, I never heard of that one. Like, so I guess no. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the success of this movie has emboldened Mattel and its intellectual properties to now move forward with more of its production. And we'll probably talk about them. When and those trailers and you drop, wonder, and we'll you wonder now if Hasbro somewhere thinking, hmm, if we should do well, this. Well, we're going to talk about Hasbro for a second. We get into what you're watching because we're now to that section of the show uh, where we talk about what, what we've been watching. Uh, and so Dave, uh, I see Tony is walking around with his headset somewhere. So since I can't see him, he's not here. Dave, what you watching? Most of the same stuff from last week uh, with the uh, the addition that I have, uh, like Tony has been doing. I've been watching a lot more of the DC animated stuff. And uh, lately I kind of going back and watching, uh, what did I watch? Uh, Crisis on Two Earths, which was really, which is good. And Under the Red Hood, which is in my top five favorite DC animated movies of all time you know with jason todd gets resurrected by ray zal ghoul and uh does his thing so that's kind of what i've been you know i know tony's been going through the dc animation as well and i'm kind of drafting off of him but yeah you you, you really can't go wrong with that stuff at all tony what you watching uh stars on mars obviously ronda rousey's gone sad to see her go but uh, really good storylines happening over there um, I just want to bring up something that I'm about to be watching and something that's going to come to Chairshot Radio Network. We're going to be having a show covering, oh, covering, no, covering Big Brother, which starts this next week. And when Survivor starts up in the fall, we're also going to be having a podcast on that. So check that out this uh, late summer and early fall. We're likely going to be posting the day after evictions. So look for, I think we're going to call it Vetoes and Idols right here on Chairshot Radio Network. Very nice. Well, this past weekend, I caught two movies at the, you know, one at the theater, one at home that I hadn't seen yet. The first of which was um, Haunted Mansion. I was one of the people who put in money. Uh, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly. If you are a fan of, of Disney and the ride itself, there are so many great Easter eggs. They really did do uh, a noteworthy homage to not just the Disneyland slash Disney World Haunted Mansions, which are basically the same ride. But there are there are nods to the Disneyland Paris Haunted Mansion. There are nods to Shanghai. Like all, they really did try to go out of their way to find little moments in the Easter eggs within the film to where you could be like, holy crap, there's that and there's that. Uh, but my favorite piece of sort of Haunted Mansion fan service that gets done in that movie is the use of music because the haunted mansion music that plays when you first enter, when you get the welcome foolish mortal speech, uh, they incorporated that thing so well, so many different times in so many different ways. Sometimes you don't even realize you're hearing it until you hear it. It was really good. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the little O'Dowd, he loved it immensely. We will probably have to own it. So Disney, uh, I will. I, I'm going to be contributing sixty dollars towards your 150 million dollar loss. So enjoyed it uh, very, very much, very, very much. And a little doubt, must own it. So I got it. I got to tell good you, good because you know your son's a big Disney fan. You know my son is a big Disney fan. He texts me yesterday after he sees the movie, and he says, "You'll like this." He says the Haunted Mansion movie was fine. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, I know what that means when Patrick says it. I got to check out what it means when my son says it. He's like, he's like, it was good. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it was, it was good. Nope. No, it was fun. We had a good time. Funny, go ahead. Briefly, what's coming up? And I think I'm going to make time for this. Sorry, Oppenheimer. Sorry, everybody that voted. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is in 3D this Saturday, early afternoon. I think I'm going to have to do it. Right. I wasn't finished telling you guys what I'd been watching, so uh, cool. But uh, yes, I, too, will also be going to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, this weekend, probably with the little O'Dowd. Like I said, as we were watching the trailer, the last trailer, he was like, I'm in. So if we do end up seeing that, maybe we'll... Maybe we'll see if the little O'Dowd returns to the chair shot radio airwaves to give his thoughts on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I uh, also saw Transformers Rise of the Beasts on Paramount Plus. It's now streaming. And I said this in the in the bandwagon nerds DM chat. Man, Transformer movies are so much better when Michael Bay isn't directing them. Both Bumblebee and Transformers Rise of the Beast are 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 great. They're so much fun. Uh Loved this one much more action packed than Bumblebee. Bumblebee had a really great story with Haley Steinfeld in it in the lead role. That movie, Little O'Dowd, it was funny. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna watch this." He's like, "Ah, oh, all right." And he sat down, didn't stop. Then suddenly got up, started rolling around the house, around the family room while the movie's going on, pretending like he was transforming like the the robots do when they kind of come out into like a roll. Then found a little toy gun. And was running around with his little toy gun, pretending to be a Connor, a trans Connor. That's what he called himself, trans Connor. Yep, out of his, his his name. Did it look more like uh, Michael and Dwight and um, uh, basically? Uh, if I watched Nard, the office, Nard I would Nard, understand the, the the parkour episode. For those of you who obviously watch the office and listen to this show, it's probably ninety percent of the listeners. You got that one, parkour. Yeah, I uh, I don't watch the office. I've never watched the office um, outside of the first couple of episodes and was like, I hate everybody on the show. And it was done, but he enjoyed that so much. We then immediately watched Bumblebee after. And then I got to bust out my Transformers 1983 season one, disc to watch some of the old animated thing. These movies got my kid into the cartoon and that's all I could ask for. So Michael Bay, you are allowed to continue producing Transformers so long as you don't keep making and directing said Transformers. So, um, yes, what I am, what I'm going to be watching, going to be watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just started catching up on what we do in the shadows. Great, great series on FX that you all never watched and should. It's fucking hilarious. Vampires, vampires living their lives in the real world. It's great, and you guys are a fool for it. Basically, that's it though. Like that's the funny part is that it's so tongue in cheek and funny and hilarious, and you would get it. You would understand what Jackie Daytona means, um, or not, is it Jack? I can't remember. But anyway, so check that stuff out. Dave, what are you going to be watching? This I'm uh, waiting for you to give me direction oh, on how many episodes of The Witcher are we watching the week. But other than that, it's this, well, just the same stuff I've been watching. I don't have time to watch all eight episodes of season three of The Witcher in one no. week, but maybe we watch two? We watch two at a time to get to done in four weeks? We could, but that puts us a little bit behind on Ahsoka's yeah, but here's the thing is Ahsoka is produced by Disney. Disney does once a week. They're gonna drop, but they're dropping the first two the first week. Okay. We'll be okay. We'll, we'll, we'll throw in three. We'll throw in three somewhere so that we can speed it up. We'll get it done. All right. That is a future bandwagon problem. We're going to wrap this show up because it is about that time. 
before we do that, Dave. Yes, sir. Since, since, since Tony's done with me, tell everybody where they can find you out on the socials. No, no, it's cool. I get it. Actually, you know what? This hasn't happened all day. There you go. Drinking it. Dave. Where can people find you on the Chairshot Radio Network on the socials? Well, you can find me on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it still, at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G, Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And of course, if you disagree completely with our takes on Secret Invasion and think that we're all full of shit, uh, make sure you send your hate tweets to at It's Me, DPP, because, you know, Tony will tell you why. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. And Tony. Uh Continue to listen to Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. I have an Instagram account now because I tried to get threads, and now I got all that shit. So it's like a lot to keep up with. Very, very good. Who was your first you follower, Tony? Me. My bestie, Dave Unger. All right. You can follow me on the socials, um, on the Twitter, on the X Twitter. Sorry, X Twitter, at Wrestling Realist. That's at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also follow me on the same handle on threads, uh, I don't think Dave is following me on threads is, you know, fuck that guy. Um, yeah. You can wow. Also what the hell? Make sure, to head o- make, make sure that when you are on X Twitter, though, that you are following bandwagon nerds as well at bandwagon nerds, where you can put up a poll to, you know, to demand Tony see a movie and then he will not I, see it. Um, I, and so, you know, all of your efforts refusal and thank you for participating. We got a shit ton of participation in that poll too, dude. Uh, can I, can I be honest show? with you? Can I tell you exactly what happened? You subbed was, for me on the DeMarco show? Yeah, and I was leaving work, and I was like, I have five hours of wrestling I haven't watched before this show today, and I have three hours of Oppenheimer, and that's not going to happen. Threads, so, Threads tells me I'm already following now, you, Pat. It says I'm following you. Yeah, I didn't even need to watch any of it, Patrick. I get it, but I wanted to be ready. Yeah, I was like, have you not listened to the DeMarco show? I listen. Yeah, I got it. Whatever. Although, I, I got to you say you comment it. on our list. Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys do. I mean, honestly, it's a great listen. It really goes by fast. It makes like if you're at work, it kind of takes you out of the monotony of getting things done, which is a compliment. And I know we got a second here. So, Dave, you talked about your, you know, list and everything. Just keep listening to that show. I mean, and we end up talking about nothing that I was even ready to talk about. So you never know what can happen. Absolutely. You really don't. Okay. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwidth. What? Yes, Dave? It's suggesting I follow the legendary Kevin Bacon, but I think I'm already following you on threads, Pat. All right, fair enough. Well, there you go. One more follower. I now have five. Way to go. Five. Give me five. Give me five. All right, all right. Let's get out of here. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. And make sure you follow through on the commitments you make if you put up a Twitter poll to go see a movie and go check out Oppenheimer or Barbie when they vote you in to go see one or the other. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Said woman, take it slow, it'll work itself out fine. All we need is just a little patience. Sugar, make it slow And we'll come together fine All we need is just a little patience Patience
when I touch your forehead, open your eyes. Are you comfortable, Reagan? Yes. How old are you? Twelve. Is there someone inside you? Sometimes. Who is it? I don't know. Is it Captain Howdy? I don't know. If I ask him to tell me, will you let him answer? No. Why not? I'm afraid. If he talks to me, I think he'll leave you. Do you want him to leave you? Yes. I'm speaking to the person inside of Reagan now. If you are there, you too are hypnotized. I must answer all my questions. Come forward and answer me now. Inside of Reagan? <coughs> Who are you? credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.